Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another beginning of the week here, Monday, with Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, as we recap the uh, weekend with you. Uh, coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, Dylan Montz at the bottom of the hour. We will uh, uh, go back. To Lubbock this past weekend as Iowa State puts another one in the win column. An impressive win over the Red Raiders. They will come home to face Oklahoma State on homecoming at Jack Trice Stadium 230. And by the way, Trent, I've looked at the forecast and that that little yellow thing that shows up every now and then. Uh, it's out on Saturday, at least allegedly. Uh, so Iowa State maybe will catch a weather break, as they certainly have been snake bit. They're due. They certainly are due. Maybe the uh, the grass lots will be open. Uh, but nonetheless, Iowa State, uh, we will talk to Dillamonts at the bottom of the hour. In the 11 o'clock hour, Bama Trent and I will go around college football. No loss uh, reverberating more throughout college football than Illinois of all schools picking off Wisconsin. That was unbelievable. Thought Kansas might be able to pull a similar feat on Saturday night, uh, but Texas did uh, pull it out in the end. Uh, but Bama Trent and I around college football and then Scott Dockerman, uh, 90 minutes from right now from the Athletic, we will take a look back at uh, Purdue, Iowa and a look ahead uh, to the Hawks going on the road to take on Northwestern team who got spanked on Friday night. I'm not sure that's a product of Northwestern just being bad or Ohio State being really good or maybe a little of both. I think you uh, hit the nail on the head there at the end. A little bit of both. How was the weekend? It was great. Um, it really was. I enjoyed myself. It was you know weekend full of sports, as mm-hmm. they all are. And uh, we now have our World Series matchup. Good for the uh, Yankees, by the way, because I thought they were dead on yes. Friday. I yeah. think you did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a fun uh, walk-off ending. And the ALCS, Altuve puts one over the fence. The crowd went crazy, and we've got our matchup set. And those pitching matchups that we talked about on Friday, we will see them starting uh, tomorrow night in Houston as the World Series gets underway. So, yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, you know, flipping back and forth, watching Purdue, Iowa, Iowa State, Texas Tech. I guess we should start with the good. Yeah, both of them won. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, theoretically, both of them would be good. Win's a win. I don't care. We both thought Purdue would win more. Uh, Purdue would be, uh, Iowa would beat Purdue more convincingly than they did. But at the end of the day, it looks pretty shiny in that win column. Uh, Iowa State, on the other hand, going on the road. And Brees Hall continues to, you know, show uh, back up the those people that thought that this guy is going to be the guy that when it all washes out, when it's all said and done, Brees Hall is going to be... Iowa State's heir apparent to David Montgomery. And they're right, at least at this point. But you know what, Trent? We're, let's give credit where credit is due. And I think it's that offensive line that has been the focal point of angst over the last... If it's not the kicker, it's the offensive line. So it's still the There's kickers. There's plenty of that. Right. It's still the kickers as they both... I mean, come on. Um 
But the offensive line, on the other hand, Trent, they are coming together by the looks of things and opening up some holes and protecting that uh, that asset that they have under center in Brock Purdy. Offensive line for Iowa State's been good. It really has, and the ability to run the football, how much that opens it up. What they end up with total offense? Oh God, five hundred and fifty some. Yeah, it, they cracked the five hundred mark for sure. It was a dominating performance. Mm-hmm. I know it's Texas Tech. I, I get it, but. Texas Tech had showed a pulse in the past. At the very least, this was, it felt like a better team defensively to go on the road. In back-to-back weeks. Yes. To do that, really controlled the football game from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And jumped out early. It was all your boy, Charlie Kohler. Not just the two touchdowns. Maybe the best of the three grabs early was the one that didn't go for a touchdown, where he just outran the uh, outside linebacker, mm-hmm. I think it was, out on the left side yeah, there. Yep. Boy, you're right. He is so athletic. He's a pro, Trent. He's, yes. He's a pro. He's going to be and. uh um, you know, it's, it's it's so rare, right? We're talking. Mike Banks was good mm-hmm. on the Sage Rosenfeld teams. Um, so ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. He got drafted by Arizona. Did he wear like thirty one or something like that? Yeah, you know what? You could be he right. Had a funky actually. number. I think you might be right. It certainly wasn't an eighty number for a tight end. Yeah, I don't recall, but I think now that you mentioned that, you might be right. It was with the Cardinals for a while. I remember Dyer and him, uh, Dyer and myself catching up with uh, uh, with Mike Banks when he was a Cardinal, but it's been a long time. 31, there it is. Was. Good for you. <laughs> uh, since uh, Iowa State's had a tight end, they got a couple of them, but they got a real good one, Charlie Kohler. They got a terrific running back in Brees Hall. The quarterback... Goes without saying. I mean, this kid is so special to watch play. Yeah. And they've got him for a couple more years, and now they've got an offensive line in front of him. It was good to see Eisworth back on the field, even though he was limited and he mm-hmm. didn't, wasn't a full-time player. Uh, it was good to see him uh, at least getting some playing time, and he seemed to take hits on that shoulder that was ag- that he had aggravated. He had and, that one pop where... Yes, that I wasn't... I know exactly the player. And it was... So is it was, he it was hold pop- your breath. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it was. You wondered if he was going to come back from that one, but he appeared to be none the worse for the way, right? Uh, Yes. Watching it on TV, that certainly looked to be the part. And, of course, Campbell's not going to say anything. No. Now we'll wait and find out, uh, you know, as the week goes on, Ryan Vance and his opportunity to play uh, against an uh, Oklahoma State team who... Trent, we both liked Okie State against Baylor. At least least, uh, you you did, right? I I know I did. Um. But Oklahoma State's defense is just putrid. It's just awful. Yeah, uh, Iowa State, they've got a chance, I think. I mean, it's homecoming. The fan base feels really good about their football team to begin with. I think they're going to walk out of Jack Trice about 6 o'clock on Saturday night just giddy. Just giddy because of the, the offense, they should be able to score at will. Their defense, Iowa State's I'm speaking of, is one of the best in the Big 12. Uh, yeah, I know. That's not saying a lot, idiot. Okay, most years you're right, but there are a couple of schools that play a little defense, and certainly the one in Ames does that. Um, so a fun, fun game for Iowa State. Uh, Iowa, on the other hand, Trent, there were some positives. I want to start with one if you'd be... Um... Okay, because I got some negatives here, too. Well, I know you do. Uh, Dane Belton. Yes. Tell me his story. Kid from Florida. Yeah, I knew that. Yep. I believe he played for maybe Marcus Pascal. Okay. Who's high school coach yep. down in Largo? I believe that's who it was. But yeah, Florida kid had some other offers from down there, ACCS, and it's not, they didn't beat Georgia and Alabama for him, okay. but had some interest down there, but decided he was going to make his way north. And there's a guy they're really excited, I know, getting Oof. in the recruiting in the recruiting calendar. He still only played a couple of games. He could still find two more games for him to play in and keep that redshirt status, but regardless... So you think that that's, uh, that would be the plan right now, I, is to save know, him? Boy, but, watching him, Trent, I don't know if they can afford to. you got five games left of the regular season, plus a bowl game. 
I think he just take it off, don't you? I do. Yeah, Trent. He jumped off the television screen. Mm-hmm. He really did. I thought he was a really, I thought he was a player in that football game. Uh, he impressed me. He was really good. All right, you want to do your negatives to get it out of the way? <laughs> By the way, here's one negative. Yeah. The fact that David Bell decided to stay in his home state as oh. opposed to coming here. How good is this Purdue team going to be? Well, I don't know if they're going to be any good defensively. But Rondell Moore mm-hmm. and David Bell on the field at the same time? That's dynamic. Yikes. That is now, a- they're going to lose Hopkins to graduation, their tight end, who mm-hmm. was okay, wasn't great. He had a couple of plays in the football game. But by God, David Bell, they couldn't cover him. No, not at all. And, you know, the young quarterback... Plumber's not pretty ha- good. Not awful, right? Yeah, freshman, he's fine. Right? He'll get better. I think so. And he's got a coach that certainly has shown mm-hmm. an ability to build quarterbacks up. They're going to score. Do they ever get stops? Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> but yeah, David Bell, if he uh, would have decided to come to Iowa, would have opened up things. I mean, Oof. now wide receiver isn't a big problem for Iowa. No, it's not, Trent. Though it's it could a be if Brandon Smith's injury turns out to be something right. debilitating for a few weeks. It is clearly a strength. And that is, that is the, my, my biggest miss going in the offseason was I didn't know if there was a receiver in the room that had a next step in them. Mm-hmm. Now we've seen them from both of them. I mean, Brandon yeah. Smith and Smith Marset, these two guys are different difference makers. I like Regani. I like Tracy. I mean, Oliver Martin doesn't see the field. He doesn't. Think about that. Yeah, he's out there, what, limited snaps every single right. week. If you're on hold, stay there. We'll get to you. Just you know, give us a couple of minutes here, 2845966. A couple of things. Uh, they couldn't run the football again. Right, they tried to get Makai Sargent going early. They, they did. They seemingly went out of their way to get him going. I mean, they, it was all him in the first series of the football game. Mm-hmm. Goodson, it wasn't Goodson that started. It was uh, Ms. Makai Sargent. Now, Stanley did miss him down the seam going yes. out for a pattern. He would have scored. Um but, uh, yeah, they tried to get Sargent going, and you know, late in the football game, they did a little bit. But, uh, boy, in that, first, in that first half, they struggled mightily. Got the run game going after they recovered the first of the two onside kicks. Yeah, what was up with the first one? I mean, I think Jeff Brom is a terrific football yeah, coach. Yeah, three timeouts? Yeah, right. Against a team that hasn't been able to run the football against you? Right. I mean, Trent, there were two coaching moves in, in the game. One of them on each side. Brom's first of his two onside kicks. Mm-hmm. And then Iowa not going for two. Late I, in the I was football game. incredulous. I could not believe. This is simple math. There is no game management, game theory. So that did says, it cross their minds? Did it, did somebody get in a headset and say, hey, should we go for two here? And then they were overruled? Or did no one put it on the table? I would hope so. At the very least, that has to be a conversation. The difference between 12 and 13 it's negligible. It's nothing. They're, At that point in the football game, there was, what, three minutes? They're, Purdue's not going to get the football no. three times and no. score a touchdown, kick two field. 12 and, 100, 12 and 13 mean nothing. So your only hope is if they do score mm-hmm. twice, is you block one of those extra right. points. Which, or they miss, which happens. It happens. 2% of the time out uh, of 100. Iowa State, they missed one they on did, Saturday. I mean, they miss a lot of them at Iowa State. Boy, they need a kicker. But to do that in that spot it's bad. That's bad coaching. There's yeah. no two ways about it. It's inexcusable, Trent. Absolutely. That is how you lose football games. And mm-hmm. People, well, they won the game. Yes, they did. But that doesn't mean they didn't get right. that second onside. Right. They go down and David Bell gets behind him again, scores. Mm-hmm. And you're looking up 27-26. Well, I, I don't understand Brom's move in the first place to go for that first. Mm-hmm. It was, I agree. Well, it was right after they went for two. It yes. was, it was yeah. the ensuing. Uh, it was the, um, uh, anyways. Not not long after that. I didn't get him. I didn't understand it at the time. Belton was really good. Uh, let me look at my notes uh, from Iowa. Um, again, officials, I mean, come on, Linderbaum, 
The nose tackle came across the line, made contact with Linderbaum, hit him in helmet to helmet. I'm not looking for a targeting. I'm just saying he came out of his crouch, out of his stance, and got him, and Linderbaum gets gets called with it. Uh, Sleep Dalton had a big punt in the football game. Uh, He was good. Um, But just, yeah, it's a win. You feel good about it. I guess you feel good about it, but at the same time, um, you wanted to see more. Stanley was okay. Stanley's most games okay. One of these games I want to see Stanley. We can we reconvene on Monday here, and that's topic number A. Just how good Iowa's senior quarterback was in the football game. How good that he was. Um, he's okay, but he's not that. He hasn't had that wow moment as a senior yet. Not at all. It's been inconsistent, mm-hmm. frustrating, mm-hmm. and it feels like it's never going to come. It doesn't. I mean, if, if the one of the knocks on this staff over the years is when you've had quarterbacks who've started for a while and get to their senior season, they seemingly at best spin their wheels. Right, yes. There's not another step, mm-hmm. as you would think in most programs, as a quarterback matures and gets better and gets more comfortable, more confident in the system. You would think that, boy... Wait till he gets to be a senior. This guy's going to... Well, that progression hasn't been there over the course of this um, uh, era, quite I, honestly. I saw one of my uh, favorite theories ever. reason that Stanley isn't throwing as many touchdowns this year as he did his first two years as a starter. They're trying to protect oh, Chuck, Chuck Long's. Long's record. <laughs> no, that's not the case. I, what, what could possibly be going through your mind that's to have that kind case. of thought? It really cracked me up. No, it's, it's frustrating. This team is talented. Mm-hmm. Is it just as simple as their guards are that bad? Well, they they're not going to be able to run the football this year. No, um, true. This is a Purdue team that was giving almost 170 yards per game on the yep. ground. Yeah, I know. I Teams know. are averaging what four point six yards there was, a carry. There was one play where Larry Jackson had, was waving over the bench because they didn't have a left tackle in the football game. Is that when Ince came running in? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly when it was. I mean, he, he wasn't in the football game. And the zone blocking scheme, it has to be, you have to be in unison. You have to know what the other guy mm-hmm. is doing. They have not. With the Larrick Jackson's injury, 13 plays into the season, he's been out. And they ran the ball pretty effectively, in fact, those couple of games afterwards. But then you're switching all these guards, you're going different directions. Hey, maybe you find something and shot. Old shooter, mm-hmm. Kyler Shot. He's still back. He's got a couple. Although, uh, who, who played in this place? Kallenberger? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mark Kallenberger. He was okay. He was okay. Right. He was okay. And he's a guy that, big-time recruit, uh-huh. had some offers and across the And he's going to be the right tackle going forward, right? I is it, isn't so. that yep. the speculation? Yep. But he was okay. Uh, I didn't notice him uh, in, in the game itself, but they struggled to run the football. You're right. I mean, yeah. this is a Purdue team that couldn't stop anybody is until it, they came to Iowa. Is it schematically there's problems there? I mean, they went shotgun. I, I think I saw... 22 of their last 29 snaps in the second half, something like that. Is that what it was? Was the number. They're going shotgun a ton. Is it just a factor of, we know we can't run the football. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this. This is, I was going, if they're going to beat Wisconsin, they're going to do it through the air. Yeah, and seemingly that game now that looked absolutely impossible, well, it's still going to be a tough hill to climb. Yes. But boy, that Wisconsin, were they looking ahead to Ohio State? Oh, no doubt. I think that had to be it. Hey, I want a couple more things. I want to go back to Iowa State, but a couple more positives on Iowa. Geno Stone. Yes. And Riley Moss. Good call on Riley Moss, yeah. So I, that's three guys, Belton, Stone, mm-hmm. and Moss, and three guys that all, you know, from the from the secondary, uh, I thought all played really well in the game. Uh, Jack Campbell, the freshman, I thought he popped out there. Yes. I told you this, I remember, a year ago about this time. It was after I came back from the Unidome, 
and uh, the championship game between Cedar Falls mm-hmm. and Dowling Catholic. He was the best linebacker I'd seen at the 4A mm-hmm. level since Pat Anger in the state of Iowa. He was that good. He was all over the place. Completely shut down. Gavin Williams and Southeast spoke in the semifinal game. And then what he did against Dowling in the championship. Remember you praising him. He now. was as advanced mm-hmm. as I can remember. And it's so funny because he also, the basketball team, he was on the basketball team, really good player for them. Big guy, though, and, you know, playing in the middle. He's what, 6'4", 6'5", 6'4"? And he looks so different. He just, he doesn't have that same burst and athleticism on the basketball floor. Yeah. He's a football player. He's going to be really good. I think so, and Doyle too. was... It's all right, but, he, Cam, but Campbell popped more. Yes, yep. I think Campbell's yep. the guy... Maybe with even a bigger future. Yeah, Campbell, Stone, Moss, <coughs> excuse me, and, and Belton uh, were four guys that really got my attention. Nixon played pretty well. Lattimore played again. Yeah. Defense lies, but Wagner goal. got a sack. His Wag, first sack yes. as, a, as a hot I guy. had that in the notes. I wanted to bring that one yep. up, too. A couple of Dowling kids now. Kerner on the back end and Wagner right. out there. Yeah. Van Volkenberg. Kerner's found a home. They, they played him a little bit more. They're trying to get some kind of rotation for those defensive ends. It just it comes down to the Wisconsin game, and there's still nothing inside this offense that gives you hope that this team can go I'm into Camp you. Randall I'm with you. and beat that. Yes, I know Illinois beat I know. them. Go back and watch that game. Illinois, they got lucky. Mm-hmm. They got lucky. Well, they the, made a couple. The pick was a they, they never got into the red zone. They never got the football Trent, into the red zone. Here's a stat that I heard over the weekend. Wisconsin has trailed for one second if this year. This year. That game-winning field goal, actually no seconds, because there was, seconds, there was yeah. zero seconds on the clock. That was the only time that they had been behind this year. Think about that. Think about that. Iowa State, on the other hand, again, it was um, you know, it's fun to watch this team. What? What's the upside now? This team can play Well, you've for- got to cross your fingers and hope Baylor gives one back. Here's, here's what I'll say about um, where Iowa State's at. I gave them no hope to beat Texas. I give him a big shot now to beat Texas. See, and I was all about you that. Were, you I were. Believed I believed all wrong. the way through. You did. I thought, you know what? Texas uh, is too one-dimensional. They are, and the fact that, um, look, Iowa State, their defense is legit. They found the running game. they got a whole bunch of guys that can catch the football. They've got a really good quarterback. Here's my fear. 21-20, 34-33. Uh, 43-yarder to win it. And they're going to miss. Wide left, wide left, blocked. You just you, you have no confidence in either one of the kickers, Asali or Narvison, either and, one of them. And Not I'm it. glad that they at least gave Narvison a shot. I mean, because we kind of know Asali what he is, right, right? Right. He is below average. Yeah, but you have this young guy that's got a strong leg and give a, him a scholarship. Shot. Give the him a only shot. Only one that's got the scholarly and do it at the time in the schedule that makes sense, and you can get it out there. By the time you get to those Texas and Oklahoma games and see, maybe this is the guy. Well, what we've they seen, gave he's him a not. shot. Now it's back to Sally. I guess. I mean, or just go for it. Just go for it every just, time. Just go for it. I'm kind of in that boat right now, Trent. Yep. Just uh, just go for it. Meanwhile, I was kicker might be the MVP of the football yes. team. I mean, Keith Duncan, what a year he's having. What a story, what a year. But 19 field goals, I think it is, is on that the season, number something like got? that. No, good for him. Because they, get, get, they can get to the 30 against anybody. <laughs> you know. Now, yep. sometimes against teams like Michigan and Penn State, they go backwards once mm-hmm. they get there, get there. But they get there, and then he bombs in a field goal, and they can't do anything else. Does that kind of go hand-in-hand, too, with the running game in your mind, that the issues that they've had inside the run, inside the 20 in the red zone? Yeah, it's going to end up on Duncan's play. How about the goal line play? Three straight times, and they finally get it in. Goodson gets his first career touchdown, and even that one. Nate two Stanley guys quarterback blocks. sneak is unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, remember when they did it early in the game? He picked up like six. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he's just trying to get yeah. a half a yard. He gets six. Ah, oh, jeez. Um, anyway, it's a win. Now it's they get win. Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern is not good offensively. Defensively, they're still okay. Yes. Uh, Ohio State's in a, I mean, they're breathing different air right now, in my opinion. This mm-hmm. is a really good football team. You know what was maybe the funnest, uh, maybe that's not the right word, but a game I enjoyed as much as any, Penn State-Michigan was a fun football game to watch. So I was driving back, and I was listening to that, found that for a while on the radio, some Michigan station it must have been. Then I was listening to Tennessee-Alabama. Okay, and then I finally found the baseball, and that's where I stayed the rest of the yep. drive. But there's just something about hearing those home broadcasters. The Tennessee guys were incredulous when Pruitt was freaking out. Well, he grabbed his quarterback, Garitano's face mask. Yes, he ripped him off the field. He just and yeah. they were they were going crazy there. But I love listening to those home when you don't really know exactly who it is. You just know it's a hometown announcer. There's something about that. It was a fun game. Michigan had a shot. They did absolutely did. That ball should have been caught in the end zone. I think so. I yeah. think so too. No, it should have been. I don't think there's any thinking about it. He, they had an opportunity. Good for them for fighting back. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, because that, it looked early, like boy, this game's going to get away from yes. him. Harbaugh's going to be, you know, he's here, going to be hearing it again. So Notre Dame, Michigan this weekend. How about game day? Do you know where? Do you see where they're going? Yeah, heading to Brookings, South Dakota. Good for them. That's awesome. It really is good. I'm, I'm glad that they spread that around a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the folks were well. You know what it was like here in Ames a few years ago. The back to the, the two years that they've been to Fargo. It's such an event when those things happen, man. It's such an event. And that, that's the biggest thing that's ever happened sports-wise in those communities. No doubt. It is. I mean, Roger Maris was born in Fargo, but it's not <laughs> like he lived in Fargo. And they've gone to Fargo a couple of different times. They've to gone spread twice. It, yes. Spread it out here. Go somewhere else. And this actually is a meaningful football game. Number one versus number three. There you go. Huge rivalry. It is. It's... It's everything that you yeah. want. It's so good be for cool. them for going. I'm glad yes. that they are. I mean, they could go. They could, go to LSU again. Yeah. Auburn's in town. He could do that one right. again this week. He go I Notre guess Dame, maybe Michigan. if Michigan would have won, they might have kicked the tires on going there. But every now and then, it's it's good when they uh, go to Wisconsin, those. Ohio Spread the State. Love. Well, if you know what, if Wisconsin would have won, would they have been there? Because they didn't Still make the decision. Still, eleven o'clock game though. Remember? Yeah, on Big true. Fox. Yeah, true. A Big Fox alone isn't enough to keep and them away. And they're going but... to be there. Big Fox's yes. pregame show is going to be live in Columbus. Urban Meyer making his way yeah, back Urban to Meyer Columbus. making his way back. I hope he uh, stays on TV, as we've said. He's so good on TV. You said. Uh, he's good. Well, you, don't you, don't you, don't you learn something when you yeah, listen to Yeah, I learn something, but I like to have those was, guys that if, are easy to hate out there coaching. Yeah. Him at USC, I mean, you talk about... There's Darth Vader out there, right? Just yeah. a guy that's easy to hate. Uh, by the way, uh, my Pac-12... <laughs> how about those beavers? How about those? How about the beaver? But how about them ducks? You're yeah. in the right state. Yeah. Um, boy, the ducks. That was a that was a good football game. What was uh, Washington Oregon was a good football game. It was a fun weekend. I'm going to miss this so much when it's over. And don't blink because it will be. It will be soon. We got uh, games this week. Next week, both Iowa and Iowa State are off. Right. Right. A weird quirk in the schedule. I, it, it is a weird quirk. Now it's Breeders' Cup weekend, so I'm going to spend a little time ah. with that because. Um, you going to help us out, pick some winners for us? Well, yeah, I hope so. Got to be better than your football We'll picks. have Jason Luch on because him and his father-in-law, Dennis Alba, have a major, major, major racehorse in oh, yeah. Dennis's moment. And I've been talking about him for months. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's going to run in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, he's a two-year-old. He runs on Friday. But boy, oh, boy, this is um, this is a special racehorse, I think. chance, Real good chance at the Derby. 
Well, right now he would be the, they used to call it the winter book favorite. Okay. He used to have to go to Vegas to bet on, if you wanted to bet a two-year-old prior to his three-year-old year, um, he would be the favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. Now, so he's not just getting in. This is, this is a horse that can win it. Yes. I mean, they list over 100 horses on this, on this future page, and mm-hmm. only 20 of them get to the starting gate. But he would be as low as price as any of them, and yeah, he's legit. Wow. He's legit. So we'll, we'll uh, get um, um, Jason Luch on here. All right, we're going to talk to Dylan Moss. I want to save some time at the end of the first hour. Uh, a really good guy, Eric Cooper, passed away over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people have um, you know, expressed what Coop has meant to them on Twitter, on social media. Um, I got to know him pretty well, uh, and I'll you know share some of those stories. Him and Tim McClellan coming in here to do Umpside View. They were on from I think two thousand five to two thousand and thirteen, maybe when when the show came to an end. But Coop was just a good guy, yeah. just a good guy. Find me something. Find me someone that we well, won't that has a disparaging word to say about Eric Cooper. He's just a kind kind man is what he was and that's what i heard from everybody that got to know him i met him one time um met mcclellan a few more times than that but it was just one time but i have a couple of good really good friends that were Mm -hmm. friends with him uh they said anytime he'd always call them up hey you guys come to the game Got your tickets. Yeah. No, the umps used to And they'd be tickets. good tickets, too. It would be, they're very good tickets. I've used the umps tickets numerous times. Yeah, and just said what, but exactly that. He was a good dude. Uh-huh. He didn't, there's sometimes he, Joe West, you know, guys like that. that and he have was this, part of Joe West crew this year. Yeah, had that kind of air of superiority. That wasn't, it wasn't Coop. He was just, no. he was one of us. And when you hear and when you see guys like Chipper Jones, who's been retired, but this goes back to when Coop was first getting into the game, and Anthony Rizzo. Um, and long-time baseball guys. Hell, Larry Boa tweeted, for yeah. God's sakes. Um, just so many people that were touched by his passing. So we'll, we'll save some time um, you know, to reminisce a little bit about the, honestly, one of the best shows that KXNO has ever had. Isn't some it, of the names that were on there you are telling well, me earlier. It's just crazy, you yeah. know. I, I, we do the shift chain. Hey, guys, uh, who you got on the show? Jeter. <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. Wow. A Rod, I mean, call it into a radio show in Des Moines. Yeah, in the winter months, right? And then we got. If you're a baseball fan, that was appointment listening for you. Yeah. I think it was Tuesdays at six o'clock. The show aired. Oh, good guys, both of them, both of them. Um, Eric Cooper, you're gone too soon. We'll take a time. I'll come back. Uh, Dylan Montz will reminisce a little bit about Iowa State Lubbock and look ahead to Oklahoma State. He's with the Ames Tribune, amestrib.com. Miller and Condon are here until noon. Before we go to break, though, Trent, time to put another $1,000 in your bull bankroll. Text the keyword SUPER to 200-200. That's SUPER to 200-200 right now. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Back with Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Sports radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you until noon. Bama Bob, Trent, and I around college football at 11. Uh, 11.30, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, joins the program right now as we go back to Lubbock. Uh, recap the uh, Cyclones' impressive win over Texas Tech as they get ready for Oklahoma State. Homecoming, Jack Trice Stadium, 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. Dylan, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Dylan Montz. How are you? 
Doing great, guys. How about you? Doing well. Uh, you know what I want to start with you, and that's the much maligned offensive line, Dylan Montz, who, you know, one of these years, they're going to get, well, if they only had an offensive line, boy, are they ever going to be able to block. For, you know what? I think we're at that point right now, aren't we? I mean, Good Jones, Olsen, uh, Nipple, Meeker, who am I missing? Newell in the middle. This offensive line, Dylan, I think they're getting better. Yeah, Trevor Downing has been a Downing, good, too. Good, good one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's been great at left guard as well. Um, and, yeah, there's so many things that go into it when you have a line. You know, they don't even have to play great. If they just play kind of steady, you know, kind of in the middle of the road even, that that can kind of do wonders for your offense. Uh, I only remember Brock pretty really taking one big hit in the game at Texas Tech, but otherwise he was upright. He had time. Um, you know, obviously Brees Hall had so many things opened up for him. Um, when you combine his skill set with just the lanes that were available, you can really get things going. So uh, the, the way they've been able to play specifically in the last three weeks, um, it, it can be transformational and, and bodes well for him down the road, even if it's just a you know confidence booster to kind of um, you know have some uh, you know positive reinforcements, I'll say. Defense came out on fire. They were flying around the football. Uh, get, of course, I have an ice worth back out there. That certainly helped, but... Defense played really at a high level. Have to be excited about that. How about Orion Vance, though? He was one of the guys that didn't go where he's going to be. And do you like the way that they're configured with Rose uh, playing then back in the middle where he started and then going with uh, McMillan on the outside out at the same spot? Yeah, certainly you'd like to have Orion, Orion Vance uh, with the way he played through the first several games. Uh, six and a half sacks was, was super active. Um, hopefully going to get some sort of update from uh, about him from Matt Campbell here in about half an hour or so, um, just kind of get his status. He didn't make the trip uh, to Lubbock. Um, so uh, kind of re- reconfigure maybe where he's at this week. But I think, um, you know, Mike Rose played 13 games at middle linebacker last year. Um, you know, it was almost uh, more of an adjustment for him to go outside than it was to kind of move back in when Vance was out. So he's looked re- really uh, natural there. And then uh, Bobby McMillan, I think, has been one of the guys I wrote, I him, about, wrote about him a few yep. weeks ago. Um, that that field uh, linebacker spot where you have to play um, with so much space is really hard. But I think being around the program as much as he has, mm-hmm. playing as many special teams as he has throughout his career when he hasn't dealt with injuries, um, is really kind of opened up um, you know the, the possibilities for him in terms of knowing the game plan and and athletically being able to go out and do it. So I think he's he's um, you know you'd, you'd like to have your full complement of guys, but he's as good a replacement as, as you could hope for at that spot. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up McMillan. He jumped. So did Jake Hummel. Both of those guys in backup yeah. roles have really come on, and they, they played exceptionally well, uh, and this week being no exception. Boy, you can really tell. Um, look, Spears has had a terrific career. It really has. I thought his sophomore year, they're making a big deal about the other linebackers, uh, but I thought Spears was as good as, as Willie Harvey and Joel Lanning his senior season. Spears was the guy that stuck with me, seeming game in and game out. The leadership role that he's taking uh, on this on this defense the fact that you know he's a senior, that he knows that his career is coming to an end. Spears is making the most of it. It seems week after week, he kind of flies under the radar just because we're, we're used to him you know, putting up these stats like he does, having a great senior season again. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it. He probably doesn't get talked about enough uh, in terms of the overall um, production of the defense. But again, against Texas Tech, uh, the last three years, he's kind of, um, really risen to the occasion. I think he had what, 12, 12 and a half tackles yep. over the weekend. Um, you know, was really active and physical. Um, could have even had an interception. 
late in the game. Um, he, he was really uh, not happy with himself after that one. I think he left a dent in the turf um, <laughs> in Lubbock uh, when he hit it. But, um, no, I think he's also a guy you mentioned kind of what he provides in the locker room. I think he's a guy that all the other players feel comfortable going to. Um, he's, he's kind of a rallying point and has that skill of, of being a guy that can really get everybody fired up or bring everybody together. And, um, you know, I know that's, that's all kind of intangibles and, and hard to quantify to some extent, but he's a guy I think that's really had kind of a uh, transformational last couple of years. And uh, like I said, has been kind of a guy that um, is, is a little bit of a glue for, for that team and that defense. After the game, of course, kicking got brought up and Matt Campbell, a little, little chippy, certainly seemed frustrated at the very list out of the uh, the two kicking misses, the field goal missed by Narvison, the two that he had in the first half, and the extra point missed from Masali. Yeah, the the question got kind of snuck in under the wire a little bit. We were trying to get as many different things as possible. Uh, I, I certainly think there's frustration. Um, you know, just uh, after Narvison hit the 45-yarder against West Virginia, to come back and, and miss from 41 and 42 yards and, um, I, I didn't really see if I don't think there was any problem in the in, in the process with the snap or the I hold didn't or anything. See it. I think those are those are those are just misses. So um, yeah, everybody kind of talks about though the the college kickers type of thing, and um, you'll you'll take a miss here and there. I think that's just part of the game. But um, you know when you have opportunities from forty one or forty two yards, you got to hit at least one of them. And then the, the extra point as well. I didn't really see any problems with. The, the mechanism of, of making the play happen. So um, I, I think they're still trying to obviously sort through things, um, you know, with, with the Sally who had been solid, may, it makes you wonder, um, you know, kind of what uh, brought it along. Cause I know um, Braden Narvison had uh, you know, been maybe the guy that they've talked about doing longer field goals and uh, Sally doing shorter ones, but um, Sally didn't get a crack at either one on Saturday. So uh, yeah, I think Matt Campbell just basically said shortly that, um, they're going to continue to kind of monitor and evaluate it as the weeks go on. But, um, yeah, leaving seven points out on the board is, is, is tough. Yeah, no doubt. Either punt or go for it. I, I think you got to be at that point now because uh, it's not getting any better with those two guys. Um, Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune is our guest. Dylan, let's go to the offensive side of the football and the uh, the receiving game again. I mean, it's just got so many weapons, right? This this week it was Milton's turn. Kohler had some big plays in the football game. The depth at the receiving position, Deshante Jones, a go-to guy. I think he caught the most balls but didn't have as many yards as um, as a couple of them. Petway having a great year. Had a horrible pass interference call go against him, which was just ridiculous. Uh, but that's, you know, we can make that claim seemingly every week, regardless of what football game we're going. But the receivers, such, such, a, such a great luxury to have as many as they have. Yeah, and it was interesting when the game was all said and done to go back and look at some of the, the numbers. And I think Iowa State had eight chunk plays, is what they call it. So uh, in the passing game, which is um, plays that went for 15 or more yards. Freak Milton had a couple that went for 38 and 44. Um, Charlie Kohler had a big one. So I think um, the part of that was uh, exploiting the tech defense a little bit. If they could get past, past the front look, there were opportunities in the secondary to really kind of um, create some mismatches, use some bigger body guys like a Kohler or a Petway or, or find uh, Deshante in some space, uh, let Milton use his speed a little bit to, to break a guy on a route. But um, I think that's we we talked about it in a couple of different weeks. The, the number of guys that they have that can go make a play it makes them so much tougher to defend. 
Um, you know, and, and Purdy, uh, if he puts it close, a lot of those guys can yeah. make a play. So that group is um, is playing well right now. And, and then when you complement it with um, what Brees Hall has done in the running game the last couple of weeks, it just helps them out so much more, too, because it gives them that much more space because the defense has to kind of um, – be a little bit more segmented and, and individualized. No doubt about it. Trent brought up Greg Eisworth. I want to follow up on that if I could. Did you guys have a chance after the game to speak with him at all? Because, I mean, he clearly he wasn't a full-time player on Saturday. And, you know, I kind of have, uh, when he didn't start the football game, I thought, you know, maybe they're going to err on the side of caution, just see how it goes. If they need him, they'll play him. But he did play. Uh, I'm not sure how many plays he was, uh, defensive snaps he was on the field for, but nowhere near, seemingly anyways, nowhere near what he normally would be. Uh, how was he after the game? Did he experience, I mean, even a minor setback, or did they get what they wanted? Did they see what they wanted out of that injury going forward? You know, we actually haven't gotten a chance to talk to him since uh, I think it was the Baylor game, so it's been a little while. Um, but I, I do think um, he was out there significantly less. Um, you know, Braxton Lewis, I think, has stepped in and, well. and done a decent job. Yep. He's played well. Um, you'd like to have Eisworth there because then you can use Lewis as a utility guy. So, um, yeah, I I was a little bit unsure. I had tweeted before the game that I thought maybe that um, he could be your insurance policy a little bit. Eisworth could. And if things start to go a little bit haywire in defense, maybe you bring him in and give it a try. Or, um, you know, he's just kind of there. And if, you know, I would say got up like they did, maybe they wouldn't use him. But um, just trying to cycle him back in, maybe get him, um, you know, he's feeling good enough, obviously, to go back in and, with his shoulder deal, it's not going to get totally better probably until he can take a ton of time off at the end of the season. So uh, I, it'll probably be a little bit touch and go, um, but encouraging, I guess, um, for people that he could go out and play and, and give you some reps because he did have a couple nice nice stops, a really big hit early on. Uh, Might have been the first series that he came in on. So, um, yeah, you know, like I said, it'll be kind of maybe um, touch and go, and, and we'll see as the next couple weeks ago. Hey, speaking of the defensive backfield, a guy that popped to me that I don't think we've talked about before, Tavon Number Kyle. One. Oh, different one. Okay. Yeah, he, he was out there a couple of different times getting his nose into things. What can you tell us? I know redshirt freshman from Georgia. What do you know about Tavon Kyle? Yeah, uh, I, I almost thought you were going to say DJ Miller. He's, He's another one, yep. Uh, and I got one really more because Lawrence White, I thought, played a really good football game. We know Lawrence White, though. That's true. True. Yeah, he's he's kind of been... Um, a little bit like Marcel Spears, he's a guy that's kind of, um, you know, maybe underscored some of what they've done, but hasn't mm-hmm. gotten talked about as much. But with, with Kyle, uh, yeah, I think the, the way he was able to kind of rotate in, um, you know, Anthony Johnson went down with injury at one point. He, he did come back, but Kyle, I think, um, really active, um, fast. Uh, and it was kind of interesting because I think uh, he had started the season on the depth chart, maybe dropped off. Um, a couple weeks ago, but he was the first guy that they had brought back in. Mm. Um, you know, you were seeing less of a Michi Walker right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, and a couple of guys like that. So, uh, yeah, as a young guy, he's kind of, uh, you know, within that whole identity of that room because they're all kind of young guys, but he came in and played well. And I know um, there was the pass interference late in the game, which it seemed like there was, you know, 20 calls uh, of that going both ways. But um, I, I think they like what he's giving them right now. And, 
uh, like I said, his athleticism, I think, um, suits him well, and, and they trust him, which is maybe the biggest thing. Uh, last thing for you, Dylan. We'll talk more about this when we reconvene on Friday if you have, after you've had a week with the coordinators and the players and Coach Campbell, of course. But Oklahoma State, look, Baylor took him to the woodshed. They opened up uh, big time uh, in that fourth quarter. It was a good football game through the first 30 minutes, and then Baylor began to assert themselves a little bit. Sanders was, eh. Hubbard was really good. I mean, he's a pain in the you-know-what. Uh, Chuba Hubbard can run the football. Defensively, Oklahoma State is a train wreck. That's a bad football team defensively. Iowa State could make the send the home crowd out of Jack Trice Stadium pretty, feeling pretty good about what they saw because that offensive Iowa State, I think, has got a chance to score significant points. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think Iowa State doesn't even have to have necessarily spectacular performances. I think if they just can kind of stay steady, um, have ball control, and um, you know, have your playmakers go out and, and help you out and, and maybe um, put a little pressure on, on the defense, keep them on their heels a little bit, then I think you're, you're suited well. If the offensive line can, can play the way it did, if Reese Hall runs the way he did, um, you know, Brock Purdy makes good decisions, then, um, you know, that, that, that suits him well. And then Oklahoma State's turned the ball over a ton, too, so there will be opportunities for the defense um, to maybe create some short fields and, and things like that. But, um, you know, like we said the last couple weeks, another big kind of swing game can put them into October um, still with, um, you know, a reasonable shot at making the Big 12 title game if, um, you know, somebody can knock off Baylor and if Texas, if that game ends up being um, kind of what people maybe thought it would be early in the year with Texas coming in, um, it can push one of those teams one way or the other. No doubt about it. Dylan Mont's Ames Tribune. Dylan, we will uh, preview Oklahoma State with you on Friday. We'll read you as we always do at AmesTrib.com. AmesTrib.com. Dylan, have a great week. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Dylan Mont's Ames Tribune. Baylor, they're off this week. A Thursday night game, Halloween, uh, West Virginia, then at TCU, home to Oklahoma, home to Texas, at Kansas. Jeez. Sets up well, doesn't it? It does, but they need three losses. I think Oklahoma's going to beat Iowa State. Unless you get a three-way tie with two losses in there. Yeah, but Baylor's got the head-to-head over Clonage. But if there's another team in there, gotcha. then it comes into another type. Like if Baylor, Iowa State, and Texas are all 7-2, and two, yeah. well, then the head-to-head, and then it comes into who knows what kind of tiebreaker. Well, we need Texas to beat Baylor. Look, it's still, it's still for the second straight year, we're going to get to November... Think about what we're saying. We're going mm-hmm. to get into November mm-hmm. with Iowa State's. Oh, my gosh. They got a chance. Anyways, uh, we'll take a time out. Going to reminisce a little bit on the other side. Bama Trent and I at noon. At noon. At 11. Uh, Scott Dockerman at 11.30. We will dot I's cross T's on Purdue. And look ahead to Northwestern with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460, 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon. Bama Bob, Trent and I around college football to start the 11 o'clock hour. And then Scott Dockerman from the athletic bottom of the hour. Uh, as we mentioned in the first segment, uh, Des Moines and Central Iowa and Major League Baseball uh, really lost a good guy over the weekend with the passing of 
uh, former Hoover Husky and Iowa State Cyclone and a guy that uh, paid his dues in the minor leagues before he got his chance at the majors um, to you know be a part of the get to the show and that was Eric Cooper uh, who uh, died way too soon at uh, age of uh, the age of 52. Got to know him and Tim. I'd known Tim before I met Coop, but um, I guess I kind of inherited the liaison role um, with with Tim and with Eric. Mm-hmm. You know, just because they would they would reach out to us here towards the end of the season, say August. They'd stop by if they were on a break, you know, because they come in, make sure their advertisers were set, make sure the show was set, and so I kind of um, got to know them, both of them pretty well, quite honestly, you know, on a professional level, yeah. not in an umpire level, but just you know, just them coming in here. It was such a good program for us to to have. I mean, we here we got two major league umpires, right? Tim McClellan, who's as decorated in the game with what he's done. As anybody, quite honestly, that's called balls and strikes. And then Eric Cooper, who's had both the Bur- Burley's uh, historical games, his no-hitter and his perfecto. He also had a uh, Hideo Nomo um, no-hitter. Mm-hmm. When he finally got his opportunity to do a World Series, Bryce Miller wrote about this at the Register, and I think USA Today picked it up. When Joe Torrey called Coop in October, and I can't remember the year. I think maybe it was anyway. Two recently okay. to say you've got the World Series. You're going to be a World's and and, and Coop having to pull over, and he just broke down because he just he he'd arrived right. He'd done mm-hmm. all of these things, did all the international games, but you know to, just to Coop himself, he would you know we'd see each other on the shift change or like I mentioned, he would come in and spend some time in my office downstairs. Didn't want to talk. He just wanted to. He wanted to talk about you. More than he wanted to talk about himself, oh, yeah? right? Because here I've, I've got a major league umpire in my office. I'm going to talk baseball with right, him. Right, exactly. And he was certainly willing to do that. But the thing I took was struck by all the time was, well, how are you doing? What's going on with you type of thing? Yeah. And this wasn't, oh, I don't want to talk baseball. I'm just going to you know, deflect, deflect, deflect. This was sincere. He was such a nice man. Every time I saw him, just such a nice guy. And we'd see each other at uh, you know 6 o'clock would come, and mm-hmm. whether it would be... You know that one guy, or Peralt, or mm-hmm. Brinson. We'd kind of we'd interact during, during the shift change, or you know they'd come in and spend some time if they got here earlier, just kibitzing around, and just really good guys. And the programming itself, I mean, if you're a baseball fan, it doesn't get any better than that. You know the hot stove league. And we've got two guys that are right in the mix of it. Yeah, they're not making trades, <laughs> right. but they're. They're on the field, right? Tim McClellan and Eric Cooper. It was it was wonderful and such a, you know, I, I got up yesterday morning to the text um, that Coop had passed away on Saturday night, mm. and I thought to myself, you know, I'm not going to tweet this out. I, I, our our standing here at KXNO or anywhere else is not predicated on how much social media interaction we get. Okay. So I just, you know, hold it till it becomes public. Sure, I don't want to be that guy type of thing. Um, but it was just, it was just it hits you right between the eyes. Yeah, You're way too soon. So many positives that that show. I remember it being on when I moved here, somewhat twelve years ago, I guess now. And thinking just how incredible it was that on sports radio here we have two major league umpires talking about the game and right. and hearing them talk about the players. It was great. Guys that are jerks. Yes. And part of the relationship, well, they didn't want to get into it that much, but they, well, you could tell um, part of that relationship was, you know, they would their, their show would start in October, 
whenever the season would end, and seemingly every year, one of them had a postseason series, mm-hmm. right? If it wasn't Tim, it was... Who's Coop? And then I'd stick around and do a show with him one week. Or Peralt would do it the next week. Um, but so they would start in October and they would go until they left for spring training sometime in February, with the exception of one week. And because they, they had umpire training in Phoenix the last okay. week in January, or their 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 umpires league meetings were January. Um, but we would get them. We being whoever I was working with. Part of the, part of the deal was on Tuesdays. Either Tim would join or Coop would join. During the season. During the season. Wow. We would get them all season long. And I wouldn't bother them if I knew it was Tuesday and Coop's working the plate tonight. Well, I either we'd skip that week or mm-hmm. we'd go to a Wednesday or Thursday or whatever else it, you know worked on their schedule. But in, in baseball fans, Des Moines, uh, in our audience, it was such a feather in kicks and those cap to have those two guys on the show, both of them, both of them outstanding individuals. Um I spoke with Tim briefly, and I'm not going to share the conversation. Just, uh, you know, he's distraught. Mm -hmm. He's distraught, and understandably so. Great guys. Eric Cooper is going to be missed by a lot of people, a lot of people. And so the the players and the major league personnel and Rob Manfred's um, scoops passing. He touched a lot of people. He really did. Good guy. He was a good guy. And he's gone way, way, way too soon. Way too soon. Age of 52. Anyways, uh, the 11 o'clock hour is next. We're going to start with Bama Bob. Uh, Scott Dockerman, bottom of the hour. Got to do some NFL before we get out of here, at least for a few minutes. What a weekend it was in the NFL. Your Bears. P.U. Stink. 11 o'clock hour is next. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.